I've been a small-town police officer in the quiet corners of Kentucky for as long as I can remember, but nothing could have prepared me for what I encountered that fateful night. It was a night that would forever haunt my dreams and make me question the very fabric of reality. The call came in just after midnight, a chilling whisper in the dark that sent shivers down my spine. Someone unknown had dialed 911, their voice trembling as they reported something weird happening at an abandoned underground facility on the outskirts of town. It was an unusual call for our quiet little community, but we were obligated to investigate. I arrived at the scene, the headlights of my squad car slicing through the inkai blackness of the night. The facility loomed before me, a foreboding structure that had long been forgotten by the world above. I could feel a palpable sense of unease as I approached, like the very earth beneath my feet was trying to repel me from its depths. The entrance was an old, rusted door that groaned in protest as I pushed it open. The air inside was heavy with a scent of dampness and decay, and a dim, flickering light barely pierced the darkness ahead. I cautiously descended the stairs, my hand resting uneasily on my holstered weapon. As I delved deeper into the facility, I began to uncover the disturbing truth. The rooms were filled with eerie equipment, strange contraptions, and a grotesque array of medical tools. My heart sank as I realized the nature of the experiments that had taken place here. Human subjects, their faces contorted in agony, lay scattered across the floor like the victims of some twisted, macabre ritual. The dread that had been building within me began to escalate, as if the very walls of the facility were closing in. I felt an oppressive presence, a malevolence that seemed to seep from the very walls themselves. I knew I was not alone. On one occasion, I stumbled upon an encounter that would forever be etched in my mind. In the dim light, I saw a large, dark figure walking upright in my direction. It was black, a bit shorter than I, with no visible neck that I could see. Its head was oddly shaped, sniffing the air with its nose pointing up. I could not see any visible eyes. I was rooted to the spot in fear, unable to physically move a muscle. The creature sensed my presence, and in a sudden blur of motion, it lunged at me with unnatural speed. We tumbled to the ground, and in a panic, I unholstered my weapon and fired. The gunshot echoed through the underground chambers, but I missed my mark, the bullet harmlessly embedding itself in the wall. Fear coursing through my veins, I managed to scramble to my feet and flee the scene, my heart pounding like a drum. I raced up the stairs, through the echoing corridors, and out into the cool night air. Once outside, I called for backup, my voice trembling as I recounted the horrors I had witnessed. My fellow officers arrived swiftly, their flashing lights illuminating the facility's entrance. But as we cautiously re-entered the facility, the creature was nowhere to be seen. It had vanished, leaving only a trail of dread in its wake. We combed every inch of that facility, but there was no sign of the mysterious creature. The experiments, the inhuman suffering, the malevolent presence, it was all very real. 
but the entity that had haunted me remained elusive. As I stood there, breathing heavily, I knew that the nightmares of that night would never truly leave me. It's one of those nights that I can never forget. I was dispatched to a call about an erratic driver, but it sounded like the call was taken by mistake. There wasn't any description other than suspect operating vehicle erratically, so I figured it must have been for somebody else. When I got up to the area though, there he was, the suspect himself, driving down the road as if nothing had happened. I pulled out after him, trying to get his attention with my sirens and lights, but he didn't budge, not at all. Until almost half a mile later when he finally moved over into the right lane, stopped on the shoulder facing me head on. He sat there in his car, completely still. I got out of my car with my flashlight and shone it on him. His expression was blank, like he didn't even see me there in front of his car. I didn't want to make any sudden movements in case this guy was dangerous, but at the same time, I felt like he wasn't going to do anything because he stopped himself. So I took a few slow steps toward him while my other hand hitched over to where my firearm is kept, just behind the small of my back inside a cross-draw holster. He still made no movement whatsoever, so I took another step forward and then thought, this might be the only chance I get. I jumped into his vehicle through the open window, put one hand on his shoulder and another on his head. I tried to pull him off the window, but it's like he was stuck, like he was glued there. He didn't even try to resist or anything. Then I saw it. This massive gash on the side of his chest, like something straight out of a horror movie. It was deep too, right down to the very bone. Lacerated flesh flapping in the wind against the jagged edges of exposed ribs, as if somebody had just hacked into him with an axe. It wasn't bleeding, though. In fact, the blood seemed coagulated. It made me think, is he not human at all? There were no other injuries anywhere else on his body either, so it didn't appear to be from some kind of accident. I left the guy sitting there because he was completely unresponsive, but I couldn't find any signs of blood. There were definitely marks on his body, though. They all pointed to the same thing. He had clearly been in some sort of hostile situation. I just called this in as a hit and run, left the car where it was, and tried to follow it. I called in an ambulance to get him medical attention. When the ambulance showed up, they too were shocked by his state and surprised by the fact that he was not dead. Although in checking his vitals, his temperature was 70 degrees, and his blood flow seemed to not be really going much at all, meaning he had very low blood pressure, and his heartbeat was abnormally low. But he was still clearly alive enough to operate a vehicle. Talk about disturbing. It still really bothers me when thinking back. I mean, how often does this sort of thing happen? And seeing something like that, it really just sticks with you. It's very haunting. Hare hunting with my dad's family in Macedonia in some hills. 
We've found a pair of relatively fresh tracks. We're getting closer to them when we start hearing crashes from what sounded like two massive animals. The hare tracks led into a clearing, and we reached a bush to peek out. No shit, there were two wolves having a go at a bear. One of them got swiped and its left side torn open. The other nipped the bear on the front right paw and left. The other wolf died soon and the bear left. Once we were sure it was gone, my uncle put the wolf down and its head still hangs in his house to this day. Also, we shat ourselves and no hares were hunted that day. When I was a teen, I used to go off-roading or mountain biking in the big forested parks in my suburban town. I had been gone for a few hours and was nearing the farthest end of the park. It was starting to get late and I was deep in the muddied, secluded trails. I turned a sharp corner on part of the trail and saw a man disheveled, maybe in his mid-forties or fifties just standing there. I was surprised and it stopped me in my tracks about ten feet away from him. The trails were really narrow and for me to turn around in the dense woods would leave me vulnerable to this guy if he decided to jump me or something, so I just stood there for a minute. We both looked at each other blankly. I said, Hi, can I get past you please? He didn't say anything for about another minute. Then he spoke, Would you like a blowjob? Needless to say, I backed up really fast, spun my bike around, called him a creepy mother F, and rode off. Third shift in a children's residential facility, which is a 100-year-old orphanage. Now it's for abused kids with behavioral emotional problems. A lot of them have nightmares regularly and so in the dead of night. I'll be startled out of my rounds because someone will scream or something. Some of the kids talk in their sleep and sleepwalk and it's creepy as F. There's the kid who will wake up and open his door and just stare at you for about a minute before quietly closing his door and going back to sleep. One time he opened his door and zombied his way over to my coworker and I. Dead-eyed and slack-jawed, and we were like, dude, what? And he finally goes, I want biscuits, shit. And we were like, get the F out and go to bed. Not that great of a story. Walking around the grounds at night with my head full of other staff stories about parents showing up to try and steal their kids back. Never happened to me, but did happen to another staff before, and I'm a paranoid person. We have a ton of ghost stories about this place, though because the facility was built in the 1800s to handle the influx of orphans produced by a cholera epidemic in the area. The building is old as hell and full of hidden tunnels and passageways that staff can use to get around fast, but like hell I go in any of them. Staff who have been here longer have ghost stories about seeing shadows, hearing things, etc. I have none, but one time I was taking a kid to the basement to do laundry, and he stops and goes. Mrs. X, there was a man standing in that room, but he's gone now. And I was like, well, it was probably a ghost, little dude. 
Let's get this laundry done. Honestly, though, the creepiest shit around here usually happens during the day with the little dudes are awake. Love them, though. Did some sailing in the past with my family in the Caribbean, and one night we anchored by Norman Island, the island that is allegedly Treasure Island from the Robert Louis Stevenson tale. The typical anchoring area in deeper water was pretty full by that point, so we ended up going to a less sheltered area closer to the beach, but it wasn't a big deal as it was fairly calm. Anyway, as night fell, the water became luminescent. There were these jellyfish that would light themselves from inside in what looked like a glowing green clover thousands of them. I'd never seen or heard of anything like it, and it was only happening near the shore where we were it made us happy the deeper anchorage was full as we never would have seen it. They died down after about a half hour when it was getting truly dark out, but before bed I dipped my foot in the water and the jellyfish nearest me started all lighting up again. One giant nope and my foot was out of the water before they got any ideas. Come to think of it, that was also the night of the 2003 US invasion of Iraq, so we spent it listening to the BBC report over the shortwave radio in the dark, watching these luminescent jellyfish all around us. What a surreal evening. This took place in 2019. One night, coming home from a friend's party, it was me, my girlfriend, my brother, his girlfriend, and her friend we had an extra seat, and she was staying with us. We were making our way home and decided to take a road that would cut our travel time down. Everything was cool until my brother wanted to stop at the gas station to get gas and food since he believed in the classic gas-out cliché. We arrived at the gas station, and he decided to go in and get food while I stayed with the girls. Everything was going normally until a big black 18-wheeler semi-truck pulled into the station. We thought nothing of it. I wasn't paying much attention to him until he got out of the truck and stared at us. When I say staring, he was looking into our souls. Now I was worried, and my brother was still in the store. We couldn't see his face as he had a hoodie on, covering his entire face. I was skeptical, and so were the girls. He was doing a lot of suspicious things, like going behind the trailer, peeking his head around, and even walking on the other side of our car and standing there. We locked the doors, and I immediately called my brother who held the door for him. The two bumped into one another. My brother had food and got into the car. We immediately sped off, heading towards the highway. There was this long stretch of road before getting back on the main highway. We were talking about the truck and how weird he was acting. Some time went by, and that same truck had followed us, but he passed us at fast speeds, nearly taking us off the road. We couldn't make anything out because it was a white trailer with no company labels. We were scared now, and we put it to full speed. We had lost him since our car was faster. Long story short, we got back to our house and parked our car in the garage. Now that we were settling down, all chilling in the living room, 
We saw bright lights outside our house, and it was the same truck passing through. It was scary because trucks never pass on our road. We were scared that he had followed us. Turning the lights off, we waited the whole night to see if he'd return, but he never did, and we never saw him again. It was one of the truly creepy experiences we had seen before. Ages ago, when my father was still racing small sailboats, he did a number of races that took multiple days, so he and the crew would have to spend at least one night on the water. One particular race had started under nasty weather conditions that quieted down to light fog in the evening. My dad and the crew were exhausted and looking forward to taking turns getting some well-needed sleep. My dad's buddy took the first watch on deck while the rest of them went to bed. It seemed like only minutes had passed when the guy on watch shook my dad awake. You have to see this, you have to tell me I'm not crazy, was all his buddy would say. Now pretty spooked, my dad went up on deck to see what had scared his friend so much. The guy pointed into the dark fog, and suddenly my dad saw a pair of glowing eyes. They turned this way and that like a creature lazily looking around. Sometimes it would look away, but it would eventually turn back to gaze in their direction. For a moment, Dad thought it must be some bizarre kind of lighted boy, but the movement pattern was completely random, and the eyes were moving up and down completely at odds with the movement of the waves, and it was getting closer. Confused, exhausted, and now pretty damn concerned, my dad woke the rest of the crew and brought everybody up to see this thing. Yep, everybody saw it, but nobody could identify it as anything other than eyes. The movement was so eerie, and it was approaching pretty fast. As it swam closer, it was clear that whatever it was, it was enormous. Now everyone was starting to freak out. Dad had no idea what to do except to try to move out of its way but the damn monster kept moving around. The crew finally determined its rough path and altered course to avoid it. It was getting very close now. They could hear the rush of water around its bulk and a strange groaning and hissing. It was getting closer and closer. Blat. Everyone's heart stopped when the horn shattered the night. Suddenly they saw dim navigation lights through the fog and realized the monster was riding a big-ass barge. They watched in silence as the bulk of the barge materialized. As it passed alongside, they realized it was carrying a load of garbage, and there was a little bulldozer driving around pushing the garbage into tidy piles. The monster's eyes were the headlights moving around, climbing up and down the mounds and circling around the deck. They were pretty relieved, but then Dad realized that they had basically almost run into a giant barge, so nobody got much sleep that night as they kept watch for more monsters in the fog. In January 1965, a group of musicians, including Jimi Hendrix driving back to Manhattan, were stranded in a blizzard and had gotten stuck in a heavy drift that reached the hood of their vehicle. It was bitter cold. 
Unexpectedly, the road ahead of them suddenly lit up, as a bright phosphorescent object, cone-shaped like a capsule, landed in the snow about 100 feet up ahead. It stood on a tripod landing gear. Before any of the stunned occupants of the vehicle could move, a door opened on the side of the craft and an entity stepped out. He stood eight feet tall, his skin was yellowish, and instead of eyes, the creature had slits. His forehead came to a point, and his head ran straight to his chest, leaving the impression that he had no neck. The being proceeded to float to the ground and glided towards the trapped occupants of the van. The snow melted in the wake of the creature. His body seemed to generate tremendous heat, so much so that as it came across a small rise, the snow disappeared around in all directions. In a matter of what seemed like seconds, the being came over to the right-hand side of the van, where Hendrix sat and looked right through the window. According to other witnesses at the scene, the creature seemed to be communicating telepathically with Hendrix. Immediately, the interior of their vehicle began to heat up. The heat coming from the being evaporated the snow enough to free their imprisoned van. The being glided behind the van and the snowdrift by now had completely vanished. Turning the ignition, the driver gunned the engine and drove away at high speed. As they looked back, they could see the road filling in with snow again. The object was at the same instant lifting off like a rocket from a launching pad. When a freak storm lashed the Gulf of Lyon and the inland villages were battered by winds of ferocious force, I was awakened by an insistent tapping on the window of my downstairs bedroom. At first, I dismissed it as the wind wrapping a twig onto the glass, but finally I got up and went to the door with a lantern. A strange sight met my eyes. In the doorway stood a boy aged about ten, wrapped in a piece of sacking. His hair was long and yellow, quite unlike that of the local boys, and his face almost luminously pale. He appeared to have no clothes apart from the sack, and as he stretched out his arms towards the light, I noticed that there were only three fingers on each of his long, slender hands. I stood there uncertain of what to do until my wife's voice roused me into action. She had come from the bedroom, taken one look at the strange tableau and told me to bring the child into the house. She roused the fire in the kitchen, placed the shivering boy before it, and covered him with a blanket. He slept the night on a mattress in front of the fire. In the morning, my wife and I found him some clothes belonging to our oldest son, but it was soon apparent that he didn't know how to put them on. At first, I took him for some dumb waif, a simpleton, but it soon became apparent that he could speak, albeit in a language we had never heard before. Even the most commonplace things appeared to astonish him. He was bewildered by a cup containing warm milk and had to be shown how to drink from it. A knife and fork were complete mysteries to him. When a farm cat strolled through the door, the boy backed away, apparently in fright. My wife and I, totally bemused by our uninvited guest, told the story to the village priest, Father René Mouville, 
a retired Lyons University professor who had entered the priesthood at the age of 50. Once Father Mouville met the boy, he knew there was no obvious solution. The child was quite unlike any human he had seen before. Even the construction of his body seemed exceptional. His hips were extremely narrow, and his rib cage almost an inverted V-shape, quite the opposite of a normal chest structure. Just looking at those delicate, three-fingered hands made the priest feel a strange sense of foreboding. The next day, he took the child back to his house to be cared for by his housekeeper. He soon found that the boy had a fantastic intelligence. Unable to communicate by any form of language, Father Mouville began by drawing simple diagrams of everyday objects, which received no response. Then one day, he wrote down a series of numbers in the form of clustered dots. Immediately, the boy took the paper and pencil and began writing dots at high speed. When he passed back the paper, Father Mouville found that he had worked out the cube root and square roots of all the groups of numbers. As the weeks passed, my confidence grew. I began to master simple words and to go out with Father Mouville on his rounds. I began to be accepted in the village as almost ordinary instead of a curiosity. Basic physical phenomena fascinated me. I would sit for hours by moving water or watching birds in flight and the movement of clouds. It was as though I had never seen such things before. Then, after Christmas 19, I became ill. At first, the symptoms seemed to be those of a heavy cold, and after a few weeks, I seemed to have recovered. But by February, I was sick again this time with a high fever and a deathly pallor. A doctor was sent for and confessed himself mystified. My heart was the slowest he had ever heard, almost half the speed of a normal human. I should be taken to a hospital, but in my condition, such a journey could well have been fatal. So the boy who came from nowhere became weaker, and on the second week of March, I died and was buried under an ash tree in the graveyard of St. Myand. I am from Waterville, Maine. Back in the late summer, early fall of 1971, I was newly married and living in Killeen, Texas with my husband who was in the army. We had a small duplex apartment in Killeen. One night he had duty and I was home alone in bed around 3 a.m. in the morning. I woke up suddenly and saw a black figure standing at the bottom of my bed. It was eight or nine feet tall and had huge big black wings and red eyes. I closed my eyes and opened them again and it had moved closer to me on the right side of my bed. I couldn't scream. It was as if I was frozen in fear. I covered my head in the blankets. I was so afraid, about five minutes. Later I looked and it was gone. It gave me a horrible feeling and I prayed never to see it again. Shortly after this event, I came back to Maine as I was way too frightened to ever stay alone at night when he had duty. I told my mom I had seen a huge black angel that night, and she was glad I came home as that didn't sound good. I had never heard of the Mothman, but a few years later I came across an article and a drawing of one. 
Even before I read the article, I said, wow, that is exactly what I saw in Texas. It didn't have a noticeable neck and its face was like hooded, its wings tucked in on its side, but you could tell they were very large. It was totally black except for the eyes were round, large, and red. I still think of this thing with fear. Personally, do you have any idea what it is? I'm 57 now and I am still searching for an answer. P.S. The apartment I lived in had a well in the entranceway that always gave me the creeps. A cistern, I believe it is called. Just a flat rock covered it and it still had water in it. I couldn't see the water, but I heard the plop when I dropped a rock in it. This probably has nothing to do with any of this, but felt I should tell you anyways. My cousin did a lot of forest surveying in some pretty remote areas in British Columbia, Canada. He and a colleague were driving down an old logging road when a wit van passed them going the opposite direction. He said it was odd to see someone way out there, but not unheard of as hunters do use these roads. They went a few more miles down the road, got out, and started doing some work and ended up finding a dead body with no head or hands. Freshly dumped as it wasn't decayed. They had to go back the same direction as the van. Luckily, they never crossed paths. They reported it to the RCMP and was told it was most likely biker gang-related hit. Well, I've spent many years on the ocean, sailed from SF, Sia to Sydney, Australia on a 30-feet sailboat. I've seen plenty of amazing and intense things like storms, lightning hitting the water, supermassive pods of dolphins, giant whales surfacing next to and following the boat in the middle of the night, etc. But by far the strangest, most perplexing thing I've seen is what I call the chessboard. Calm seas, middle of the night, I'm on watch looking out on the water, and I start to notice some flashing happening around the boat. Now, the water was very bioluminescent. Andy was used to certain amount of organic-type shapes, trails, etc., which can be spooky enough when a huge fish or mammal swims towards your tiny boat and swims under at the last second, then turns around and does it again. But this was totally different. Different color of light, much whiter and brighter. And the shapes were very square, geometrical seemed to be very near the surface. Anyhow, started off with three or four squares. Each square was, I'd say, 12 by 12. Then more and more appeared, forming into a chessboard-type pattern. The chessboard stretched out as far as I could see in the night. They'd all come on for a while, then alternate lit squares, change into random patterns like they were communicating. This went on for 10 minutes, then everything went dark at the same time. I would so love to know what that was. Former submarine sonarman here. No windows, so it falls outside the creepy things I've seen requisite. More of a creepy thing we heard. I was stationed on the west coast. 
Whenever we would transit near a particular Californian city within a specific area, we would hear over the headphones the something that started off sounding like a woman screaming and ended sounding like bullfrogs on a hot summer night. None of the sonar techs up through our chief knew what to make of it. We chalked it up to just being a merfrog and carried on. It was around 4 a.m. and I had finished a movie on the couch with my husband, but he fell asleep. Once it ended, I went to the door to have a cigarette before bed. We lived in a basement apartment and our door was ground level at the rear of the house facing south with a small backyard about 15-20 feet deep with three large trees lining the edge backing onto bush and swamp. When I opened our big door and looked out the screen door which had glass at the top and a screen at the bottom, I typically opened the screen door a bit and set the bar to hold it and stick half of my body outside to have a cigarette. As soon as I set the bar and looked up I immediately noticed three large glowing lights hovering at the very top of those three trees. Two white ones were in the two left trees and one red one in the tree on the right. I was taken off guard a bit and figured it was a reflection from the stove or microwave so I concluded that if I moved or blocked the light, the light would go away. I ran into my bedroom, which had a huge picture window right next to the door I was poking out of. If it was truly a reflection, I'd see nothing in a dark room. So I peeked out of the blinds, and there they were. I was blown away, so I ran back out into the living room and looked again. For some reason I cannot understand why I didn't wake my husband to show him. It was like I was in a state of shock or like everything around me froze and I forgot about him. This time when I looked out the door it was still open a little bit. I stuck my head out and all of a sudden I had this overwhelming feeling of being exposed. And just as I jumped to shut the door in fear, I could make out multiple beings walking around in the backyard with two of them coming towards me at the door. But the way they moved was strange, like in one place one second, then another the next. I freaked and slammed both doors shut and ran to grab my video camera and ran into my bedroom to record. When I looked out I could still see them. It scared me so much I couldn't handle the thought of opening the blinds, so I set my camera up and stuck it in the blinds. By this time it was probably around 4.35 a.m., and I was wide awake in a state of panic in a half-seated position at the edge of the middle of my bed. The bed was against the wall with a large picture window spanning the entire bed holding the camera in the blinds recording and taking the odd terrifying peek when all of a sudden I'm waking up and it's sunny out. Only then I realized I was sitting or half falling off the end of my bed very awkwardly and the camera was on top of my dresser. I grabbed it immediately to review the footage. The first two playbacks were nothing and the third was only 30 seconds of blackness. I was devastated. Then it was like reality snapped back in and I looked up and it was 7.30 in the morning. For your information, I cannot just fall asleep sitting up or not in a bed laying down comfortably, 
So the odds that I just passed out are highly unfavorable because it has not happened since. I barreled out of the room to tell my husband and I couldn't speak fast enough. I was in a total moment of panic and anxiety. The first thing he asked is why I did not wake him, and to this day I'm so mad I didn't but I can't figure out why. I remember looking right at him laying there sleeping when I first saw the objects. Then it was like time around me was frozen. I was still in real time. Before that experience my husband and our, at the time, three years old daughter would see strange lights moving erratically always flashing white and red in inconsistent patterns. We live under a flight path and are used to seeing planes and small water planes or helicopters pass over, but these flew much differently and very low also typically sighted and remained in the same area. After the experience, the sightings got more intense. Walking the dog, I would spot a large light or craft that would seem to stalk me. My husband would often notice lights following him while driving home from work. I'd go out into my driveway to see the stars with my daughter and end up always having a sighting. One night I put out the garbage and a red light about twice the size of a yoga ball hovering above the middle of the road very low. I looked directly at it and yelled, go away, quite a few times and returned inside. After that, we would rarely see them and were never stalked again. Though I do fear and am almost certain we are still visited. Since over the past year, I've had a few very strange vivid dreams that almost seem like memories of being on board a craft with my husband, tons of other humans gathered in a large room with multiple entities, some larger ones in robes at the front watching and others walking around. One female entity comes over and takes my husband by the hand and escorted him to a private room to briefly cover it. I am aware there are no answers to these strange events, but am more concerned about finding out if there were any related sightings or experiences in my area around that time and about my story being documented for research, etc. I almost forgot to mention the area of trees that the UFOs were hovering in seemed to be affected as the top of the trees died exactly within the top of it. This occurred in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. I'm a dive master in the Gulf of Mexico. I was dragging our anchor out of, of the sand and away from the wreck when I noticed a small object out in the sand. I swim up to it, and it was a dive slate covered in barnacles. I'm thinking F.Y.A., free dive gear, as I make my ascent. So I'm topside. Customers are all settled in talking up their dives, so I decide to check out my new toy. This dive slate was a bit different from others I've seen. It had a wrist strap and has these flip-up slates, so it has three pages. It had a build-up of barnacles, so I took out my knife to shuck some of them off. After I was satisfied the front was clean, I opened it to the second page on it, in just a faint bit of graphite. It said, I lived in a rural area. 
though it was fairly close 25 miles to the nearest city and maybe 10 miles to the nearest town. One day I was riding the bus to school and saw an odd collection of trash, a mannequin, shopping cart, and tarp hanging from a tree in the woods to the side of the road. A few days later I noticed it was gone and figured somebody had cleaned it up. Things got weird when it reappeared on a different road after a week or two. This happened a few times over the course of a couple months, and I didn't tell anyone because it sounded a bit crazy. Really late one night I was watching TV and my neighbor's dog started barking. This isn't unusual, but the nights are extremely quiet, and I heard an odd rattling that eventually sounded like a shopping cart. I turned off the TV, hid under the blankets, and watched a disheveled person push a shopping cart with a mannequin in it past my house. This was during the middle of winter. It's bitterly cold, the wind is deadly, and feet of snow are fairly common. There was zero chance anyone would believe me, so I never said anything. Fast forward several years later, and I was home from college for the summer. My mom is an adult protective worker and tells me about a referral she got involving a schizophrenic homeless guy who pushes a mannequin his wife, apparently around in a shopping cart. This was in the city, but she then tells me he for some reason walked all the way to my area and lived in the woods for an entire winter eating roadkill and God knows what else. My old man served in the Royal Navy and Merchant Navy. He told me about these access spaces that ran through the ship. One ran the full length of the bulk carrier he was on in a storm, and some poor sod had to do down there to do something. They opened it up and there's lights all along it. As the ship flexed in the storm they could see the lights at the end disappear and reappear wasn't exactly a rush of volunteers to go down there. He always said that St. Elmo's fire could be quite eerie when you saw it on another ship. Worst he ever told me about was when they got a mayday call from another ship that was on fire. They were the nearest and responded, but were a good 48 HRS away. The radios died before they got there, no one survived. Me, my father, and uncle were out one evening hunting during the early archery season. This is southern Indiana, so you can certainly get in areas very far away from other human beings, but this is not like being in remote Montana or something. We, we had hiked pretty far back into a big valley. People imaging Indiana as flat, but that is northern part. Southern Indiana is very hilly and rocky. We saw nothing and began to head back. At this point it was dark and we were about halfway up the valley. Once we got to the top it was a much easier walk that eventually connected to a fire trail. I want to repeat I am sure there is a very rational, boring explanation to this. Well we are walking and all of a sudden there was this. Noise behind us. I can't explain it. If you talk to people who spend a lot of time in the outdoors, they can all tell you weird sounds you hear. I mean, it happens. 
What made this one so weird is it was unlike anything we have ever heard. It was loud. Very loud. The best we can describe it as was a horrible screech with the mix of a growl. I can still hear that noise in my head today. It was genuinely terrifying and in the woods in early archery season can be very noisy, but when this screech or growl happened it got quiet. Maybe that was just our brains focusing on the unusual noise and ignoring the standard forest background noise, but we all remember this noise and how it echoed through the woods and it sounds so unnatural it sounded. It sounded angry. It seems like I'm rambling, but I just can't tell you how terrifying this noise was. Nothing in any horror film or sound effect has come close to replicating that sound. There are no words to give it justice. This is when shit really hits the fan. The second this noise happened we all of course froze. I was young but still had spent quite a bit of time in the wood. But my father and uncle have spent a lot of time in the woods and it was very dark and my uncle was just barely visible in front of my and my father in our headlamps glow. But I remember we all froze in fear and he turned back to my father Mimi and asked what was. And in the process of him saying that we were all three turning around back towards the noise. You have to remember this all happened very quickly. In reality from the time this awful noise happened and we turned around it had been maybe five seconds. But as we all collectively turned around there was this bright flash of light. I know how insane that sounds, and to this day when we tell this story people usually start to smile or laugh, but I am as serious as a heart attack. As we turned around there was this sudden flash of light in the treetops. It was bright and covered a very wide area. It lasted a second or two, and it went pitch black again. It was just like the cliché. All three of us with zero words began to run. There was not yelling, no pause, nothing. We all three just ran as fast as we could. My father even started pulling at me up this steep incline, but none of us spoke a thing until we got back to our vehicles. Now I do not believe it was a UFO. Shit, I honestly do not believe in UFOs at all. There is no road in that direction. But we like to think that maybe the conditions were just right and some large vehicle on a road nearby had their lights hit the treetops, or maybe it was like somebody with a flare or some shit. But we have all been in the woods and seen cars drive by, many with their blinders on to watch for deer, and this light was not like this. It was sudden, bright white, and was in the treetops. I mean, as batshit as this sounds, it was like those cheesy UFO movies where the alien ship hovers and shines a big light from above. I am not saying that is what it is, but that is the best way to describe it. We have honestly spent over 10 years running through scenarios, and even though my brain tells me, dude, this shit happens, do not fall for this. It was just an unusual set of circumstances, and in the darkness your brain put the pieces together the best it could. There was no creature or UFO, but it is hard sometimes when you replay that event in your head. If it had maybe been the noise or the light alone, I think we would blow it off, but it all happened together, 
and that is what really sticks with us all. I am going to be that old guy telling this story with the young people mocking me and I can't blame them. I would too, but that does not change what happened and what I experienced. I'll start out by saying that the small town where I grew up, and where all of my family still resides, is in Monroe County, Ohio, maybe 20 minutes or so outside of Wheeling, West Virginia. I was talking to my dad on the phone the other night. He told me that last week, while driving home from work, he came across something he can't explain. His voice was shaky, unlike I have ever heard him. He works the night shift at a local coal mine, and while driving home from work early one morning around 5.30 a.m., he noticed a large creature crouched down in the road. It had bright red glowing eyes that looked directly at him. He said this creature also had very large wings which were wrapped around it as it crouched. He said he had never in his life seen anything like this. It had really upset him. He proceeded to drive by it, but when he looked behind him, it was gone. He said that he was actually scared to get out of his car when he got home in fear that perhaps it had followed him or was even in his car. After a few very tense minutes, he slowly got out of the car. There was nothing there. I asked him if he had ever heard of the Mothman. He kind of paused then said that he had never heard of it until he started talking to people about what he had seen. He said that they would say right away, it sounds like you saw the Mothman. You hear weird stories all the time, and because you don't really know the person who witnessed it, you just shrug it off. Knowing my dad and what a logical thinker he is, I believe he encountered something supernatural. He is usually the one who tries to come up with logical answers for things that are otherwise unexplained. He's very skeptical when it comes to aliens, UFOs, ghosts, etc. For me to talk to him and hear him tell me about this Mothman-like creature was shocking. For this is not like my father. I will say that I am concerned, for what I understand is that when a person actually witnesses a Mothman, oftentimes bad things happen afterward. There isn't a doubt in my mind that what he saw was 100% true. It has completely made a believer out of me when it comes to the Mothman. I hope for the sake of my father and my family that that isn't true, and that he made a mistake of identity.